Blog Talk Radio. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Cynthia Kay. She is the founder of Cynthia Kay & Company, which is an award-winning media production and communications consulting firm that serves organizations from the global Fortune 100 all the way to small businesses and nonprofits. Before starting the company, she was a professional broadcaster who was honored with awards from United Press International, the Associated Press, and numerous other regional and local broadcast awards. Kay's also a small business advocate. She served on the executive board of the National Small Business Association and as the vice chair of advocacy and vice chair of communications for that organization. She's also a former board chair of the Small Business Association of Michigan and is a former chair of its PAC. Cynthia's testified before the Congress Subcommittee on Small Business, and she's written a number of articles for the Washington Post and been featured in numerous national magazines. She also has two books out. One's called Small Business for Big Thinkers, and the other is Stop Wishing, Stop Whining, Start Leading. It's a no-nonsense guide for women who aspire to lead. We're so happy to have Cynthia here today to talk with us about her books and also about her advocacy work on behalf of small businesses. Welcome to the show today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Oh, absolutely. Like I said earlier, uh, I feel like a kindred spirit here uh, with you in the advocacy work that you're doing on behalf of small business. So let's talk about that a little bit. You've been a successful broadcaster, award-winning, and yet you've made this transition to being an advocate for small business owners. How did you do that? What what led you along that path? Well, you know, I I think that I from the very beginning, I think there was a business owner somewhere in me as I was a small child. <laughs> Because my dad was a small business owner, and from the time that I was old enough to take directions, my dad would take my brother and sister and I to work with him. And so I got to see firsthand what it really meant to be a business owner. And I think like most people, um, you know, I started down the, the career path in broadcasting and I was very successful, but I felt like something was missing. Mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted more control over my life. I, I really felt like I wanted to have more input in the kind of work that I was doing. And really the only way you can do that is if you start your own business. Right. So that's what I did. And we have Cynthia Kay and Company. When you say that you are a media production and communications consulting firm, tell us about some of the specific services that you offer. Well, if you think of uh, the company, it's really like we are the communications arm of a lot of large companies. So, for example, we are involved in producing video case studies and leadership training and marketing pieces and corporate overviews. And we do everything from the concepting of digital media through the actual videotaping, 
graphics, uh, post-production, and delivery of this to their stakeholders, which can be anything from, you know, the general public to consumers to employees. Mm -hmm. And the communications piece of it came in because we found that as we worked with companies, lots of them had wonderful employees who really knew their topics, but were unable to articulate uh, their message. And so we started working with them to help them before they ever got in front of the camera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I'm curious about your organizational model. Do you have all of those people uh, necessary to carry out all of these different functions on staff? Or are you able to pull together teams in a virtual manner. And what I'm thinking of here that I've seen more and more businesses adapting to is they're following the model from Hollywood where every movie has a different set, whether it's the, the producer, the director, the camera crew, the uh, actors and actresses. You know, it's everybody that is uh, selected specifically for that movie to make it the best movie possible. And uh, a lot of, a lot of, other companies are starting to adopt that model to pull in the different players for individual projects and clients uh, as the project warrants. I mean, do you follow that model or do you have everybody on staff? How does it work? We actually have a full-time staff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know that that uh, runs sort of counter to what a lot of people are doing. But let me tell you what I think the value is. Mm -hmm. um, when you're producing communications, the value is in having your employees really understand the company that we're working with. And we become very intimately involved with these companies. We understand their culture. We understand their products. We understand their customers. And that's something that if you're going to produce communications, it's invaluable. Yes. So what, what it might take someone else a long time to do, I mean, if, if you were to ask us, you know, what does X customer like or tell us about their products? I mean, I know more about more products and how they're manufactured than I ever thought I would <laughs> I bet <know>. you do. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think there's huge value in that. I also think that from the employee standpoint, I think it's extremely difficult in a freelance world to not know where your next job is coming from. Mm -hmm. And these employees know that our customers will be coming back in our door. There is a huge incentive for us to serve them, serve them well, and always do what's right and what's in their best interest. Yeah, and that consistency is probably very reassuring to them as well, that they placed their business in great hands. So, yeah, very valid points there. Now, you are a small business advocate, but you're a small business yourself. You also, in addition to serving other small businesses, you have major, major clients like Siemens Industry and Herman Miller. How, do you, how does a small business like yours attract those types of giants? Well, I, I think that, um, and I'm going to be really honest with you here, mm -hmm. I think sometimes you're in the right place at the right time. <laughs> I, and I think a lot of business owners will tell you that. Right. Um, and so for some of it, it, it's we started in our own backyard working to attract large customers. I will tell you that when you work for large customers, they recommend you to their clients. And that's really how it started. But that only gets you so far. Mm -hmm. And then I think you have to really start targeting the customers that you want. We look at and research companies that are in industries where we want to be. 
We look at targeting smaller, talented firms that are on a growth path. Mm -hmm. You see them grow, you grow along with them. I also have had a strategy um, that I look at smaller companies that are wholly owned subsidiaries, large companies, because if you do well with them, they recommend you to the parent company and you work your way up the ladder. And then finally, one of the things that I think has been really beneficial for us is that we stay in contact with individuals who are talented people in companies who are moving to other companies. I always love to say when I lose a a client because someone has moved on, I gain a new client over there because <laughs> right. people are loyal. Yes. Yes, we see that as well. When you talk about targeting companies, uh, once you have identified them, you've done your research and you've, you've decided that that is a company that you would like to pursue, how do you go about that? Do you cold call them? How do you, how do you make that initial uh, reach out to them? Well, a lot of times I'll use my network and mm -hmm. I will ask if anyone knows anyone at that company. But I also have done things where I've literally cold called or emailed someone. And frequently what I try to say to them is that, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you at this point, um, but I am trying to gain some insight into where there might be some opportunities. I think you know, for me, it's a very long cycle. I, I call it planting seeds. Right. And, and I often will find some of these contacts because people won't want to do work that needs to be done. So, for example, um, one of the ways that I, I first found Herman Miller is I worked with a subsidiary of theirs, and they, they asked us to do some work that a, a current supplier didn't want to do wasn't a big enough job for them. Mm -hmm. We went in and had the opportunity to work with them. And then we asked, we said, who do you know? And I think, I think business owners sometimes are afraid to do that. But I will say, you know, if you like what we've done for you, I really would appreciate it if you'd make a connection for us. And trust me, people are willing to help, but you have to ask. You can't make the assumption that they're going to recommend you or that they're going to pass your name along. That is so true. And there are a lot of business owners who are afraid to ask. And for whatever reason, I don't know. But if you if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. <laughs> I mean, it's as simple that's as exactly that. exactly it. It's yeah, that simple. Exactly. Uh, now, you have a book. Um, you have two books, actually. But one of them in particular, Small Business for Big Thinkers. Tell us about what's that book about? Well, I, I found that as I was going um, out and speaking with businesses, that a lot of small businesses are afraid to tackle big corporate giants. Uh, I think they've heard the horror stories of being taken advantage yeah. of. I think that they they think they might suck up their capacity. Um, I think they are afraid that they will be crushed in terms of discounting prices. Mm -hmm. And and what I have found is that big businesses love small business. And, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, I've asked my customers, does it worry you that I'm a small company based in West Michigan? And what they have said to me is that Small businesses have some really unique things about them. One, we're responsive. 
we are way more responsive than large companies are. So when they call us, they get an answer. We don't have all the layers of um, complexity that bigger businesses have. We don't have contracts that take, you know, 10 lawyers to look through (laughs) before you can actually do business. And the other thing that I think big business really appreciates and that small businesses don't understand is that we are constantly coming up with fresh ideas and new ways of doing things. We're not stuck in doing the same old, same old. So we bring them what they don't have on their staff, this sort of non-corporate view of business that lets them think differently. And so I think small businesses now, having said that, you have to understand that working with a large global company can can be challenging if you don't set some systems up in place and if you don't choose wisely. Uh, but I think there's huge benefit to working with big businesses. And that's why I wrote the book is I want to teach companies how to work with firms that are larger than the ones they're working with now. And how can small businesses today grow? What are some of the strategies? Obviously, working with these large firms, getting those referrals from those larger firms. But what are some other ways that small businesses can grow? Well, this is one that I think um, a lot of businesses are are going to be concerned about. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I think I think sometimes you have to be willing to give something away to hmm. get more business. And what do you mean by that? All right, well, I'll give you an example. So in a couple of cases where I was trying to court some large businesses, um, I said to them, I've I've done some work and I've looked at some of the things you've created and I wonder if you would be willing and open to having me talk about how you might be more efficient and produce some better communications. And I've made a promise. I will come in and I will give you a look at what's happening in video trends right now and some of the things that I am seeing and that you can implement today. And I promise you I will not sell. I've actually gone into a number of companies and been a resource. Mm -hmm. I've helped them look at things that they're doing, and frankly, it's turned into business. At one point, I literally at my own expense flew across the country, did an hour and a half seminar on the West Coast, and flew home. And by the time I got home, I had three requests for proposals. Wow. I gave away knowledge. Now, that can be dangerous, but it it can also benefit you. I think the other thing that you can do is, and I do a lot of this, I give away a lot of our production services to nonprofits, and Mm -hmm. I find that that is a value that many large corporations have. It also happens to be a value of mine. But in the process of doing that, I network with and meet a lot of people from companies that I'm interested in doing business with. So I think that's another way is to use the resources of your company for the good of your community where you put yourself in a place to meet the people you want to meet. Yeah, both of those are great examples. And in that first one, yes, you may be giving away, but what you're really doing is establishing yourself as an expert and gaining credibility in the eyes of the the prospects. And uh, as you say, you went away with three contracts or uh, proposals, requests for proposals, as a result of that one meeting that you had. Uh, and and the not for profit that that is that is absolutely brilliant. And in, in addition to getting to meet maybe some of their uh, corporate sponsors and 
and so forth during networking events, you're showing you're showing that you you're demonstrating that you have the same values that they do with that that social good in mind. So so great great strategies and ideas there. What are some of the challenges that small businesses face today? Uh, you're you're testifying before subcommittees on Congress and and you're doing a lot of advocacy work as you travel around talking with all of these people, what are some of the things that um, we, we could still do better because of their, these are challenges that are facing all these small businesses? Well, and I think, frankly, I, there, there are times that I think, why would anyone want to start a business yes, right now? Right. But, but, but the benefits certainly do outweigh the challenges. But let me talk about a couple of them. Uh, to begin with, I think um, regulations are extremely burdensome. And I'll just give you one example. Um, you know, there was uh, in the healthcare legislation, there was a requirement for small businesses. We were going to have to 1099 every single organization that we did business with, which means yes. I would have. I would have had to have 1099 Delta Airlines because yes. I fly a lot. Right. All right now that's ridiculous. Right. And it's burdensome. So I think you know simplifying regulations and the, the the amount of reporting that we have to do is huge and that's one of the reasons that I went to testify before congress um the other thing is access to capital it is extremely difficult for individuals even today even in this era where you know it, it, people say oh it's it's not that hard you know we've opened up all kinds of avenues it still is difficult for individuals to get loans um i can tell you my business financed the startup of my sister's business many many years ago because the bank wouldn't give them a loan mm. even though they were highly qualified individuals that little company that my sister bought is now a massive company in North Carolina but she couldn't get a simple $50,000 loan wow. I think that today businesses still face that so that's something we've got to get better at and we need to, obviously, people have to have good qualifications and they have to have done their due diligence, but we need to think about how are we going to help people finance their startups and how are we going to get them the money they need to go beyond that startup? Right. The other thing that I think is really critical for especially small businesses is workforce development because um, we can attract I think we have been able to attract really great workers, but we don't have deep pockets when it comes to helping them get educated. So large companies have really great development plans and ways for their employees to get lots of experience in other departments. And, and so I've, I've often thought about, you know, how do I, how do I access opportunities for my employees to get better? And I think there are some things that that we have to think about is, you know, how can we pool, you know, our resources as small businesses to get the kind of training that we need? Because it's a different kind of training than a large corporation needs. I know I subscribe to a number of training services, lynda.com, where yes. my employees can go on and do things. Um and, and, you know, and I try to put them in places where they can work with other people. But I, I think that's a hard one, workforce development. 
Oh, I, I would totally agree. I was giving a talk last night, and that was one of the questions that I got was Kansas City's made a lot of advances, but how do you, what do you see as some of the um, problems still? And I said the same thing. It, it's workforce development and, and teaching uh, that next generation the skills that you need to work in the workplace rather than pass standardized tests is just one example. So I, I totally hear you on that one. Let's shift just more specifically to women business owners. You have said that women are getting in their own way. What does that mean? Well, um, I, I do believe that, uh, and, and that is not to say, I want to make a statement up front, that it's not to say that I don't think that there are barriers for women, but I think often they are barriers we create. I think sometimes as women, we don't dream, dream big enough dreams. Um, when people say to me, you know, why are you working with global companies? I said, because I wanted that. I, I, I had that dream. I said, I know I've got a great company and I, I want to have an impact beyond my, my backyard or my state. So I think we have to really encourage people to think much bigger. I also think that women put limits on themselves. For example, there is a lot of women that I see in the corporate setting that are offered the opportunity for a promotion, but they have to move. Uh, they might need to take an overseas assignment or they might need to move to a different area of the country for a year and they turn it down. They they say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I, I think those kinds of limits are are really getting in the way. And and I think that women really are so competent that I don't understand why they're saying, you know, I have to be home at four o'clock or I need a nine to five, or I can't work on a Saturday. I think if you really want to progress, there are some sacrifices that you you are going to make to get to that place where you do have the flexibility. You know, I also think that women don't take advantage of getting more help. You know, we don't think anything of men having personal assistance and executive assistance and and women think they have to do it all themselves. That is a great point, because if they would accept that help and be open to having assistance, the flexibility comes, you know, mm -hmm. and gives you the flexibility. Um, just one final question here as we close up. As a professional communications expert yourself, how would you suggest that business owners today make their voices heard? Well, I think it is difficult if you are trying to do this piecemeal. So I can tell you the path that I've taken. I began working with the Small Business Association of Michigan. And from there, I started to really kind of get my legs and, and speak out and work on my state level. From there, uh, I became very involved with the National Small Business Association. And I believe that you have to get involved with organizations that really represent small business, not big and small, even though I love big business, mm -hmm. but businesses, uh, but organizations that are really focused on that. So I say look for a statewide chapter. There are many of them around the country that are affiliates of the NSBA. And then See where, when possible, you will step out and speak on behalf of a small business. When your local media calls you and is looking for a reaction, don't be afraid. Speak out. Tell your story. You don't have to be an expert, but you do have to tell your story right. of your small business, and that will resonate. Yes. 
Yes, that's absolutely true. And so many people are afraid that they have to be an expert. Oh, you know, I might say something wrong. But if you stick to what you know, which is the story of your small business, and that can be used as an example, then that's all you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and I encourage people to speak out because even though I love doing it, the more voices we have, the more powerful the message. Well, thank you for all your work that you do on behalf of small business. And for any of our listeners who may be interested in reading your books, how can they get a copy? Well, they're located on Amazon. Just Google Cynthia K. go to Amazon. Um, and it's Small Business for Big Thinkers and Stop Wishing, Stop Whining, start leaving. Cynthia, thank you so much today for sharing your expertise and your wisdom with our listeners. Well, thank you. And thanks for all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Again, Cynthia Kay, she's the founder of Cynthia Kay and Company. She has two books, Small Business for Big Thinkers, and second book, Stop Wishing, Stop Whining, Start Leading, which you can get just by Googling them. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.